If you have your Bible, could you take it and turn to James chapter 3? Uh, there's a little handout for you at the, at the back. You can grab one of those if you'd like. Uh, might help you through this familiar passage today, James chapter 3. I want to work through the, the first 12 verses here. This is another passage that has a lot to do with uh, what I actually covered uh, one of the first, um, the first times we were together for this, sesh, this uh, series, which is on speech. I talked a lot about uh, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that's Ephesians 4. This passage is, is very convicting in that it deals with the tongue and the danger of the tongue and how quickly things can get out of hand, I think is another way uh, this deals with. But uh, let's read the passage together. I'm going to read it out loud. If Just follow along in your Bible and, and uh, James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, and then we will dive into these uh, passages and see what, uh, what we're being taught here. Uh, scripture says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire can a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body. And it sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird or reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not, so, ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh Okay, uh, we're going to stop there at the end of verse 12, and uh, let's look at this. I, I want to notice the context of verse 1, which is interesting. He's talking about speech, but this is specifically aimed towards those who want to teach, or how I put it here, those who want to be heard. Maybe that's a way, I, I put that as a blank there for you. For those who want to be heard, there are people who want to have their opinions known, who want to be teachers, who want people to listen to them. And some people don't want to be listened to, uh, but some people really want people to listen to them. And, and so if you have a desire to be a teacher, or if you are a teacher, he says, let not many of you become teachers. This is actually contrary to what a lot of us would think. He's saying it's not a, it's not a good idea for a lot of people to be teachers, because when you're a teacher, what, what follows? Stricter judgment. That word stricter judgment means greater or more severe judgment. So there is a greater judgment. What kind of judgments are we talking about? Well, I have a few verses here. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Some of y'all look up these uh, cross-references we have. What kind of judgments are we referring to? Somebody do 2 Corinthians 5.10, Hebrews 13.17, and then the last one would be Matthew 12.36. Who wants to do... Which one you got? Hebrews. Hebrews? Okay, so who's got 2 Corinthians? Yes, uh, go ahead, Donna. Um, Welcome back, by the way. 2 Corinthians 5.10. Yep. 
Yeah, not just what you've done, but what you said. There is here a, a judgment that we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of us will be, will be held accountable for what we do. There will be a strict judgment. And this is one of the things that when you, are, when you go into ministry, if you're going to be a teacher of the Word, this is specifically talking about teachers of the Word, not, not math teachers, I don't think, or history teachers. I think this is talking about being a teacher of, of the Word of God. And so uh, here, the stricter judgment is a, is, is a spiritual judgment that God brings, and the requirement that God brings if you're going to be a teacher of the Word. The next passage is part of the reason for this. What does Hebrews 13, 17 say? You had that one, Katie? Yeah, he says here, obey those who have the rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls. There is this responsibility as pastors have, pastors and teachers of the Word, I'm responsible for the souls, for the people in our church. And that responsibility we take very seriously, and we pray for you, and we, you know, we confront you when, you are, when there are things that are going on that we don't like to confront, but we have to sometimes. Like, there are things that we do to care for you. And, and so in that, there is this stricter judgment that what you say will be taken and will be acted on. This is why often you'll hear when we preach, or I, I encourage other guys to do this too, but I, I try to do this, is often I'll say, well, this is my opinion, and I'll say my opinion, versus thus says the Lord. Like there are times when the Bible is very clear about things, we make that very clear. There are other times when it's less clear, and I don't ever want you to mistake the clarity of God's Word for the the muddiness, the murkiness of Marshall's thinking. Does that make sense? There are times when I think I know what God is saying about something, but I'm not really sure. And so we'll, tell you, we'll try to be transparent about that because we don't want to put undue burdens on you. We also don't want to give you license to sin. There is a, I, 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 have a, I have so many friends who've just gone, I don't know, maybe I should just never go on social media ever again, but I've got a lot of friends from my younger days who have just gone way off the deep end when it comes to spiritual matters. One of my friends posted something the other day. He goes to some uh, um, church in up north somewhere. I forget exactly. I think it's in New Jersey, maybe. And uh, it is. It was hosted, uh, of course, during Pride Month. Uh, it was a special guest preacher, um, and she spoke about um, uh, the pride, all the gay pride stuff going on, and, and and affirming all these different groups and things. And they had kids come up and talk about what they're proud about, and. And it was, they had pride flags hanging in their church. I mean, I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I thought to myself, these people are going to be held account. They're holding a Bible. They're proclaiming to be teachers. And I'm, I'm studying this passage and I'm thinking, oh, I, I just, I do not want to be them standing before Christ. That, that is not going to be a pleasant, I mean, if they are saved, can you imagine the, 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 the horror that they will experience when they realize how much they've led people astray into sin and giving them permission to sin like they have. Like they are, they are condoning sinful behavior. So there is, a, there is a, an essence in which in this context we have this passage on speech. So he goes from talking about preaching and teaching to talking about speaking. So keep that in mind. That's the exact context when we dive into why this is so important because we have, there is a difficulty, the difficulty of controlling speech, the challenge or the difficulty of controlling speech. Look at verse 2. He says, for we all stumble in many things. I mean, this is obvious, right? We all have troubles. We all sin. We all stumble. The word stumble means to, to lose your footing. It means to lose your footing. It means to fall. 
Uh, if you look at the, uh, James chapter 2 and verse 10, you have a context for this. Look at, I'm going to read this verse for us, and I want you to help me understand what does the word stumble mean in this context. James 2.10 says, For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet what? Stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. What does stumble mean in that context? To sin, right? If you keep the whole law but stumble in one point, you're guilty of all. Stumble means to sin. So we all sin in different spheres, in different areas, in different things. Think about the different ways we sin. We sin by omission. We sin by commission. We sin with our actions. We sin with our thinking. We sin with our words. He says we all sin in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a what? What does your Bible say? If you do not stumble, it's verse 2. If, you do not stu- if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect. a perfect man. Okay, let's talk about this word. This is very important. What does the word perfect means, mean in our, in our culture today? The word perfect. If I said, that steak was perfect, what do I mean? That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Perfect. That was perfect. <laughs> Who said that? Was that Tony? Okay. Perfect. And in English, it kind of has the idea of without flaw. Okay. Um, right? It's just, it is, it is in every way as it should be. Right? Uh, a perfect steak is going to be different than a perfect pizza. They're going to taste differently. But they are, in their own way, perfect. Right? Uh, when we say, are you perfect, everyone says what? No. no. Okay. What do you mean by that? They're sinful, right? We have flaws, that we are, we are flawed, that we have contamination in us, right? That's what we mean by perfect. And in that, I would agree. But that's not the use that this phrase is. In fact, he says, if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. My question is, is, is this an expectation that you should have, or is this an expectation that is unattainable? In other words, is he saying it's impossible to control your tongue, just don't worry about it? Or is he saying you should strive to control your tongue and therefore be quote-unquote perfect? And if he's saying that, we have to figure out what he means by this. You see, you see my question? Somebody's going to say something. I heard a breath. <laughs> Donna, you're going to say We can strive to hold our tongue. And if you look at your life, I'm much better at it now than I was when I was young. Okay. But I'm still not there yet because I still pop off my mouth. Okay. You still pop off your mouth? Okay. Um, who, wants to, who wants to read Matthew 5, 48? And then who wants to read 1 Corinthians 14, uh, 20? Um, okay. So, again, my question is, is this an attainable thing? Yeah, Tony? You, okay. Hang on for that. Yeah. Uh, you going to give me any more feedback on this? Like, what, we're trying to discern. This is, what, this is what perfect means, like, in English. But biblically speaking, we know that Bible is written not in, in, in English, but in Greek and Hebrew. And when we have the word perfect, it's actually the word teleos. Now, I'm going to write it out because that's, that's actually important. This is an important word that shows up in many places in our Bible. Okay. And we'll explain what, what the significance is after we read these two verses. Tony, you want to read Matthew 5.48. Now, listen to what he's saying and read it nice for us. Thank you. Okay. The command is to be perfect, as the Heavenly Father is perfect. All right. Next, 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Who has that one? 
Somebody, yes, sir, Charles. Brethren, do not be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Okay, what word was the word perfect? Okay, and he, it's very clear in 1 Corinthians what he's talking about here with this word teleos, not meaning without flaw, as in not able to improve at all. I think that's another way of saying this. Like a perfect person is unable to improve any further. They've reached the highest And none of us will ever reach that goal. We don't believe in sinless perfection here on this earth. We don't believe that you'll get every... I don't believe... The, I, I think the Bible teaches very clearly that none of us, none of us, will be able to reach a state in this earth where we will not be sinning. Okay? With that said, the word teleos is not saying that in the Bible. That's not the idea behind this word. The idea behind this word is much more along the lines of perfection, uh, not, much more along the lines of maturity than it is our idea of perfection. Let me explain it this way. A teleos has the idea in this word is another Greek word called, the word is telos, which you actually, you, you might have heard this word before, and we use it sometimes even in English in, in different ways, um, and it has to do with something's end or something's purpose. And so, telios has to do with its perfection being that it is used to its, to its desired and, and intended purpose. So, as a maturing person, as you, I loved what you said, Donna, because it really hit right, what, right where I'm going, which is that I, I, I'm better now than I was. I'm not where I want to be, but I am able to control my tongue better now than I was when I was younger. Was that fair, a fair representation of what you said? And I think the idea here is that he says that, um, look at this passage again, verse 2, we all stumble, but if anyone does not stumble in word, that is a, let's replace the word perfect with mature. That is a mature Christian who's able to control his body. I think that this is not an unattainable thing. I think there, that you, you should be able to control your tongue if you're filled with the Spirit. I don't think it's unobtainable. And I don't think he's saying here that you're going to be perfect. I think some people have read this before. I know I read this before and thought, well, that, I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. Just throw up your hands and say, oh, I guess I'll always struggle with, with um, mouthing off. And I don't, I don't know if that's exactly what he's saying, because I think he's talking about maturity here and the importance of maturity. Does that, does that kind of make sense? You see where I'm going with this? Uh, that I do think that Christians ought to be mature, and as we mature, um, we should be able to control our tongues because control is a major theme. Let's look at the two illustrations here. Illustration number one, he gives the, the bit in the horse's mouth. Uh, what's the picture here? Obviously, uh, anybody ever ridden a horse? Okay. Uh, how big's the bit? Maybe that big, right? Oh, it's bigger than that. I'm sorry. It's, it's this big? I thought it was smaller than that. I, maybe I was on a little horse. I don't <laughs> I was on a tiny horse, apparently. I don't know. Um, that's big. Okay. But it controls a big horse. Right? It controls a big horse. And the idea is that, is that control. It's the, it's the thing that's just a small piece of metal, but that piece of metal is what controls the head of the horse, and, and that's all it takes. Okay? There is control element here. Uh, what's the second illustration? The ship, and what's controlling the ship? The rudder. The rudder, again, is small. I think it's like this big. If I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> However big the rudder is, it's not as big as the whole ship, okay? Yet it controls the whole ship. And so your tongue is such a small thing, you think, well, it's not a big deal. It's just my tongue. It's just a word. It sticks and stones, break my bones. Words will never hurt me or whatever. You might want to say it's just a word. It's just a thing. I tell you, words make a huge impact on people. Huge. 
Okay? When you were growing up, think about all the things that you were told that you still do to this day. Okay? When I, think about the habits you formed because you were, um, uh, some of you are Ford people, some of you are Chevy people. You know, and I, I remember there was a guy who was telling us that he grew up as a Chevy guy. In fact, um, we were at the, at the uh, counseling conference, and Randy Patton, remember, you remember Randy? He was telling the story. He said when he was, he was growing up, his dad was a Chevy guy, and they used to, they used to um, uh, every time they passed a Ford, they would say, fix or repair daily, or found on road dead, and they would, they would mock Ford cars all the time. And he said he, he has never bought a Ford in his entire life. And he said, because he, he can't get over that, that, that he, we, he feel like, you know, every time he sees one, that's what's in his mind. You think that words don't matter? Of course they matter. Words have an incredible impact. We all have memories of things that were said to us that really hurt. Somebody said something and it just was a little bit too true. Uh, we've all had saying things that come out of our mouth that we really wish we could put back in there because we just feel really, really bad about it. Um, so the, the rut, small thing makes a huge... And for, uh, the, the illustration is in verse 5. Let's read verse 5. He says, um, uh, let's see, even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Here it's directing, directing the body. The, the tongue actually can direct the body and cause great trouble. So it's a great difficulty but through maturity, we can, we should be able to, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. And that ought to be part of the desire we have as Christians to live our life under the control of the Spirit of God. Any questions on the first five verses or comments or thoughts? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a really good. So there, there, I don't know if. So we talk about um, clamming up. So there's two two ways that people deal with, say, anger. Is clamming up or blowing up? And I don't think either one of these is really a biblical way of handling it. The way of handling it is to is to deal with it properly. To to hand, if you know if you have a problem uh, with someone. Um, but I do think that restraint. He who restrains his lips. I think I have that verse in here. Proverbs thirteen three. In fact, at the very end of our Thing today, I have several verses. I call it how to move forward. Some 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 things on this, and it is important to restrain our lips, not to just speak out, right? Because it gives you time to process. I've had many times when I've I have uh, thought about saying something and held back, and been really glad I did. Um, and then there have been times. Let me just say, I was I was debating whether I should share this or not. There was one time I was in college, and I had a, um, a friend down the hall who I. I, I thought we were really good friends, and we would talk every night, um, and uh, we, ma- you know, we made fun of each other and, and goofed off all the time. And um, neither one of us at the time had a girlfriend. And I just, I, I made a joke. I was like, "Yeah, you'll never have a girlfriend. You're just, you know, you're, su- you know, you're such a goof or whatever." And um, I didn't even think. Of, I, I thought we were on great terms, and I found out later that hurt him so bad because he really was struggling. He really wanted to date a girl, but this girl kept saying no, and I didn't know that. And it, and it horrified me. I felt, I felt, I didn't find out about it until like months later. And it, it just, it ripped me apart. And to this day, if I ever meet, if see, I haven't seen him in years. And I, I think, man, if I ever see him again, that's the first thing I'm going to say is I'm going to be like, I am so sorry. I don't know where he is. I, I've lost track of him. But it's just, it's the worst feeling to, to not intend to say something bad, 
but you do, and it just, and, and that's what we're going to talk about next, which is the unintended consequences of, of, of the wickedness that flows from the tongue. Look at verse 6. He says, the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, is set on fire by hell. Look at the images of fire. What's, what, what's, what, do you, what do you connect with the tongue with fire? What are these two connected? How are these two connected? In what way are these two alike? It, it, it spreads fast, and when it burns, it destroys. And he's gone from saying the tongue is like a bit, the tongue is like a rudder, to saying the tongue is a fire. Okay? He's, he's like very direct in this. But more than that, they, people actually used to describe, this is what's fascinating, fire as a tongue. You remember what happened in Pentecost? What was above their head? Tongues of fire. Because if you look at a fire flame, what does it look like? It looks like a tongue, right? It flickering like a candle flame. It looks like a tongue. And so he's saying the tongue is a fire. And what do fires do? They burn, they destroy, they decimate. It's a world of iniquity. It's got, it's got all of sin built up in it. It's so destructive. Um, it sets on fire the course of nature. It's set on fire by hell. I looked up a lot of uh, commentaries on those two phrases, and there is a lot of debate about exactly what's being said there. The basic idea is that the tongue is really bad, and it's got a lot of damage that it can create. Uh, the tongue can't be tamed in verse 7. Uh, it is untamable. Every kind of beast and bird, reptile is tameable, but no man can tame the tongue. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. You can't ever fully tame it. And then look at this, verse 9. With it we bless our God and Father. With it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. What's he saying here? He's saying there's a, there's a conflict in that out of the same mouth, we will turn around and bless God, but we will curse our brother. Um, this does happen, but should it happen? No, of course not, right? We should not be the kind of people who have this duplicitous double tongue. Because uh, then he says, it's not natural. Look at verse 11. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree bear olives or grapevine bear figs? What does this illustration remind you of when he talks about the spring and the, and the fig tree? What is, Jesus gives a similar illustration in Luke chapter 6. Anybody? Anything pop into mind? Well, he basically uses the two, the idea of, of can, a, can a tree bring forth, can a good tree bring forth bad fruit, and can a bad tree bring forth good fruit? It's a similar kind of illustration, but here he, he says the same thing is, can it do two things at the same time? And, and the answer is no, it can't. So what we're doing doesn't make sense. It's not normal. It's not natural. It's not how we should be. So in all this, we kind of say, wow, the tongue is bad. The tongue is really dangerous. Let's look. I have these verses here. Can you all help me look out? we got five minutes. And Eric told me I better not run late tonight because he's got a bunch of kids he wants to be picked up. Uh, Proverbs 13.3. I'm, I'm, I'm joking, but not really. Proverbs 13.3. What should we do? What should we do? How should we live? If this is the danger, if we're really... The thing about uh, powerful things is that you must have control over them. Think about fire in this context. You know, fire is good. Fire in a fireplace is good. Fire in the living room without a fireplace is not good, right? That, that powerful things need to be in their proper place. 
We say this about sexual relationships. Sexual relationships within marriage, wonderful. Outside of marriage, destructive, right? It's the same kind of thing. It's powerful. Because it's powerful, it must be controlled. Look at Proverbs 13.3. Who wants to read that? Okay. Yes, sir, Ryan. He that keeps his mouth or guards his mouth, the idea of protecting or, or, or restricting it, preserves his life. If you guard your mouth, you preserve your life. If you open your mouth wide, you'll fall into destruction. So what a danger. Um, so Proverbs ten nineteen, Yes, sir, Matt. This is one of the verses, uh, Dave, I was, I was thinking of when we talked just a minute ago about restraining your lips. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. If you have a hard time being quiet, you're going to sin with your mouth. Okay, it's just, it's going to happen. If you can't stop talking, you have got to reevaluate your control over your mouth. And you've got to ask God for help because if it's just a matter of time, you're going to sin with your mouth. You're going to say something you shouldn't say. You're going, to, you're going to spread a rumor. You're going to uh, offend someone. You're going to do all kinds of sin. So definitely learn to restrain your lips. Proverbs 21, 23. Yes, Matt. The one who guards his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. There you go. Whoever guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So guard your mouth. So the first three verses all have to do with guarding your lips and thinking before you speak. It becomes easier with time, right? Over time, you become more mature. You're able to think before you speak. Kids don't know how to do that. They just say they just say what they're thinking, right? My 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 um I I made the bad mistake. We have somebody in our neighborhood who put up a real, what I consider to be a very ugly um, mailbox, and I made the mistake of telling my kids that I thought it was the ugliest mailbox I'd ever seen in my life. And I'm not joking. It really is probably the ugliest mailbox. If you've been in my neighborhood, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And um and so Hallie is is <laughs> is walking around our neighborhood and she sees these neighbors. And she says, yeah, my dad says that's the ugliest mailbox he's ever seen in his life. And the lady says something to the effect of, well, this is a very special mailbox to us because whatever. She tells the story. See, if I guard my mouth, (laughs) it would keep me from trouble. But I didn't guard my mouth, and I opened my mouth. And and my daughter doesn't know when it's appropriate to open her mouth and when it's appropriate to guard her mouth. I said, Hal, you're not supposed to say that in front of them. Be a little more discreet about your dad's uh, opinions. Uh, James 119. Let's read this. Uh, Katie. Oh, I love this verse. Back in James. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. So listen. And there's a lot of verses in Proverbs that talk about listening before you answer. I found this to be incredibly helpful. Uh, there are some things we do in our family. Like in our family, you're not allowed to walk into a room talking. This is a, this is a problem. In my, I don't know if it's a problem in your family, but in my family, I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden someone just walks in the room, la, 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 and they're just talking, and they're telling a story, or they're just announcing their entrance. And we say, excuse me, you don't walk into a room talking. You walk into a room quiet, and then you can ask a question, or you can enter a conversation, but you don't walk into a room talking. That's, that's, that's rude. That is being quick to speak. You must be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. You know, little things like that. Um, we're trying to, I'm, I'm sorry, we're trying to train our kids. We really are. And if they, if they, don't, if they don't come out well, it's, we're trying. We're really trying. But those are the things that you, I think that you, these verses like this are very important for all of us to remember. 
And we need to listen. We need to be careful about responding before we hear all the facts. We're really bad about this on social media today. We spout off about everything. We don't know the facts. You don't know the story. You hear these stories on the news and you go, oh, I can't believe this happened. Well, you don't know what happened. You heard one little thing and you, you tell the whole world what you think about something. Like, really be careful. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to write. Last one, James 1, 26, another verse from James. Yes, ma'am. This goes back to what I was saying is I think that God expects us to bridle our tongues. I don't think when I said it in, in, in the first several verses here of James 3 that say how difficult this is means that it's impossible. I think with the Spirit of God, being filled with the Spirit, our speech should reflect, be seasoned with salt. It should be songs and hymns and spiritual songs, speaking with grace in your hearts to one another. I think that we ought to have a bridled tongue because if you think you're religious, if you think that you're honoring the Lord and you don't bridle your tongue, then he says here, your religion is useless and you're deceiving yourself. So let's, let's be careful. Let's watch what we say. Let's restrain our lips and be wise. And let's be mature and strive towards being mature in our walk with God in this way. Does that sound like a plan? And, um, and I hope that's encouraging to you, a little bit challenging to you, and one of those uh, passages we love to look at. So next week, uh, looking forward to being here. Um, uh, Larry Doig will be teaching next week. I'm going to be on vacation, so I hope that you all uh, have a great time. Larry Doig will be here. Really looking forward to uh, what he has to bring. I don't know what he's speaking on. Um, do you know what you're speaking on? You don't have to tell us. You can keep us in mystery. Or... But he'll be here. You'll want to come because he's always a pleasure. In fact, I'll be sure to watch it afterwards because he's always a, a challenge to me, and I really appreciate his ministry as well. Why don't we close the prayer, and then you can go pick up your kids. Lord, thank you so much for how much you love us uh, and for the love you show us every day, and even for giving us these, uh, these passages like this that give us instruction on how to use our mouth and how to use our lips to restrain ourselves and to be careful about what we say. Father, I pray that we would um, be aware of how much an impact our words can have, both for ill and for good. We could encourage our brothers and sisters in Christ and that these good words could have an impact on people that carry a great impact forward. Bless now the remainder of our evening and help us, Lord, as we serve you to be faithful in what you've called us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good night. Have a great night.